0: You wanna tell him? I want to talk to him in this space. I don't want him to see this. I want to see a personal personal I mean, person. person. Yeah, I need to see a personal person. Stop running. Stop running! San on top of that. It's two years later.
1: Come get your whooping, Charlie. <laughs> Kind of reminded me of that. That was Patrick Peterson on Sunday in Minneapolis. Cam Cox from 12 News capturing that, um, and you know we had a little fun with it earlier mm-hmm. in the in the week, uh, but now we've got uh, the, the explanations, the uh, the thought behind all of this frustration that Patrick Peterson feels towards Steve Kime Now that he's two years removed from being an Arizona Cardinal, we got that explanation, Bick, on the Patrick Peterson podcast. All things covered with uh, with Bryant McFadden. So he. He spent about 40 minutes of this podcast, the first 40 minutes, talking about the game, which we'll get into later on, but also followed up with about a 20-minute discussion on his frustration with not the Cardinals organization or fan base, but with one guy, Mm -hmm. Steve Kime. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's uh, the the first part of um, Patrick Peterson trying to uh, initiate talk when free agency was rolling around in 2021. All right,
0: so now free agency go by, hit, hit Steve. I'm like, yo, Steve, you know, ain't rushing anything, but, you know, free agency about to start. I'm really not trying to talk to no other teams. You know, I want to, you know what I mean, get something settled with you guys. You know, now you, you guys know what the, the salary cap is. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I know they already know what the, the cap number is. Now, you know, we don't know what the number is. You know, that's the last conversation that we had. He said, no, nah, I don't really know what the, uh, the cap number is right now. You know, I got to get with the, you know, with the team and see, you know, where we at. So I'm like, boom, two weeks go by. Now free, a week about to start, free agency about to start a week. So now I go on my family vacation every year, you know, with the kids for spring break. So now mm-hmm. I'm going spring break, hit hit Steve with another text. Yo, Steve, about to go on, you know, family vacation, you know, for a week. You know, I'm going to be away from my phone just, just trying to see if I'm in if I'm in your future. Let me know if not, you know, I, I'll start making plans you know, else, elsewhere. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Nothing happened then. So I'm like, all right, boom. He just showed me, boom, they ain't, they ain't messing with me. Because yeah. I ain't hear from you in three months after you told me in January that you going to, And in the midst of this, they just signed J.J. Watt as well. So like I said, I knew all of this was going to happen. So I'm thinking I'm up next.
1: Uh, and that was preceded by you know, Patrick Peterson laying out the promises that Steve Kym kind of made. Hey, we want you to retire as a Cardinal. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go out and get somebody like J.J. Watt to help you guys on the back end. So Patrick Peterson's all in at that point. Then uh, from that, it just basically turned into ghosting.
0: So now, like I said, I hit Steve up. Like, yo, Steve, you know, I know it's a week out for free agency. Free agency to uh, officially start. I'm about to head. <clears throat> I'm about to head on vacation. You know what I mean? Just let me know because you know, so, I can start, you know, looking for teams while I'm on vacation versus, yeah. I mean, just, you know, just hanging around. You know, you got me just hanging around like a little doll or whatever. So about the night before, um, the night before free agency started, I think I called and I left him a voicemail or something like that. So he didn't pick it up. So I ended up calling my agent. I was like, man, bump it. You know what I mean? Let's, let's just let's go see what's out there. Yeah, I was like, man, bump it. Like he obviously ain't returning no calls. He don't want nothing to do with me. It is what it is. As soon as I sign, I get this long text message. From who? No other than Steve Kyle. I'm like, come on, bro. Are you serious right now, man? So to me, that's where the disrespect just went to me at an all-time high. Cause mm-hmm. you're a general manager You got you see your phone every day You see your phone every second yeah. So you can't be like And I know everybody's busy And I'm not saying that, that I'm your, your your girlfriend Or your chick or anything like that <laughs> But just be like alright P We moving on I can, yeah. I'm fine with that I'm, I'm a grown man like I said before P we moving on We love your 10 years here bro we just moving in another direction versus saying, oh, we're going to do everything that we can, da-da-da-da-da, then don't have no communication. And then when we don't have no communication, you want to shoot me a text an hour right after I sign?
1: I'll say this before I I ask you for your reaction to all of that, Vic. Uh, I, I think what actually eventually happened with Patrick Peterson was the right thing for both both parties involved, uh, for the Cardinals to move on from Patrick Peterson after a couple of years of lackluster play and, and other things that we'll get into. Mm-hmm. And I think it was good for Patrick Peterson to, to, to revitalize his career somewhere else, and he's doing that in Minnesota. However, yeah. if this, and this is one side of one story, but if Patrick Peterson is indeed telling the truth that that's the way it went down, that's incredibly disappointing. That, yeah. That uh, an, an all-time great for a franchise would get that treatment from yes. anybody.
2: and it's potentially troubling in terms of how uh, the perception of this organization is going to be going forward with future free agents and, and, and that kind of thing. Because it, here's here's what I think about this. When, when Patrick Peterson came out after the game and went full on at Steve Keim, Part of part of me and I think part of some people were empathetic that, yeah, that is kind of wrong. Dude really should have communicated with you. Uh, but there were a lot of people who were like, come on, Patrick. You, you you were half-assing it here by the end of your time in Arizona. What do you expect? It, it, it's not like you were playing at that level. So the response to what Patrick Peterson was saying was, was kind of mixed. I, I'm curious why and if Steve Kime is ever going to respond to this. Well, because, he's on with Burns and Gamble. Tomorrow. Right, so that that is going to be quite interesting to see how he chooses to address this. Um, I, I would say this: I, I think this is problematic because I think there have been a lot of players who have been very good Cardinals who don't get what they want or get involved in sort of these kind of conflicts with the organization, mm-hmm. and they leave in a very very bad place. And there's a handful of them out there. And and this kind of stuff really – it can leave a mark, especially when you're an organization that rewards upper management for mediocrity but will not play, uh, pay players commensurate to their ability and to what they've achieved. Okay, so I, I think in most healthy organizations, you would have an owner like Robert Kraft or one of the Roonies who would never let it get to that point. Mm-hmm. Even if you choose – to to break ties with an all time great over whatever over conflict a p- decline in play age finances whatever you got to get that guy at the top to make sure it's a smooth exit and and that's what we've seen that's what you see in most really well run organizations Tom Brady just went to Robert Kraft's wedding yeah exactly they yeah, obviously still right. have a good relationship and even how after how that ended yeah and and there seems to be when things get sideways things seem to get very personal here. And, and, yes, and, and that is not a good look. And it's if the Cardinals were offering a potential free agent, um, really good money to come and play in Arizona, would that free agent go? I don't know, man. Pat Pat P didn't seem to really enjoy his experience. That's not necessarily reality. That is not necessarily what is going to happen. But when you start stockpiling a lot of these incidents. It, 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 it's a long way people from, talk. It's a yes, it's a long way from that destination place this franchise felt like for a few years when BA and Steve Kime and Michael Bidwell was flying players all over the place. It seemed like a very refreshing, new, energetic, player friendly place kind of place to be.
1: Yes. Um now, Brian McFadden, who is you know the former defensive back, and he played for the Cardinals for a little bit, too, He he's kind of the host of the podcast, so he's the one that asked the questions. And he did ask the question, hey, what about the trade request? Do you think your trade request in 2018 had something to do with their final stance? And Patrick Peterson, we don't have time to play it now, uh, but he, he explained all of his reasons. And basically, the reason he requested the trade was he didn't feel like the organization was committed to winning. He didn't mention anybody by name. It was a bad year. It was a three-win year with a rookie head coach. He didn't mention Steve Wilkes. He just didn't feel like they were all on the same page. Now, why he backed off of that and apologized for that trade request and Mm -hmm. came back in 2019 with another rookie head coach, that wasn't uh, delved into either. I do want to play, if I can, the there was more on the John H. Berry story. <laughs> Is there really? Yeah. Oh, to the point boy. where I found John H. Berry's actual LinkedIn uh, profile yesterday. Uh, here's Patrick Peterson elaborating on that uh, email slash letter story. I,
0: I shouldn't have been treated in that manner, especially, like I said, like the note thing. That was one thing. That what was, was cool. the note about? Yeah, tell us about that note. Yeah, like I said, the note, like I said in the interview, the note was, uh, came from a fan, John mm-hmm. H. Berry. He owns, like, some type of construction company. I remember I remember it vividly. I still have the letter. I still. I just have to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about, you know, how he won't be a fan no more as long as I'm on the team. Um, talking about I um, tackle like a girl. Um, it's all type of, like, negative stuff. Mm-hmm. So as I'm reading it, I didn't even finish it. I'm like, damn, like... <clears throat> so hold on the, the note was where how did you get the note it was on my on my chair after a, a practice okay so someone within the facility put that note in your locker boom yep gotcha. so I'm like damn because I'm thinking I got fined so I'm like mm-hmm. wow, it's, it's Wednesday I mean Thursday because it was on a Thursday I'm like I tell you you typically get your fines on, on Wednesday so I'm like alright boom open it up first thing I see is like I know you hear the chatter Talk is cheap I'm like damn the hell, this is about. Mm-hmm. So, boom. So, now, first thing, you know, headline, uh, you know, John H. Berry's got his construction name, you know, all that stuff on there. And he goes, that's when the letter goes. I just probably read like a, the first two paragraphs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, man, why the f am I reading this from a fan? Yeah. Then I thought about why am I getting this? From somebody within the organization, from a fan. Mm-hmm. So that kind of threw me for a loop. Yeah,
1: we're going to react yeah, to that. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of questions oh, that still yeah. remain on that particular story. We'll get into those questions on the other side. More reaction to Patrick Peterson next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Nickly and Marada mornings. So, man, this
3: question, Pat, in regards to that letter that came from the fan, who do you think
0: had dealings with that for that to get in front of you? Because you know, fans send players a lot of mail, right? Right, and you don't get the chance to see everything. But for that personal, for that statement, that letter to be. Put on your locker, it felt like it was, they wanted you to see it or something like that. Oh, they definitely wanted me to see it because it said clearly, I know you hear the chatter, talk is cheap. So apparently, yeah, it was for me to see
1: it. Yeah, we're continuing uh, to, to react to the Patrick Peterson letter story, the John H. Barry story, which got legs earlier in the week. Before the break, we played the clip of the whole thing. I got so many questions. The story's changed a little bit, Bick. So, you know, to, to, to focus on what we talked about first on this Patrick Peterson strife that he still has with Steve Keim, he outlined the way he perceived that he was treated by the organization, and that's unfortunate if true. I think this whole thing's BS. It went from Cardinals employees printing out emails and leaving them at the locker of of Patrick Peterson. Now it's a letter from a fan. Was that letter sealed? Because how would anybody know if the letter was sealed? If it's written to Patrick Peterson in letter form, nobody from the organization is opening that first.
2: No, it wasn't written to Patrick Peterson it was it was written to somebody else saying i am not going to renew my season tickets because this guy is playing like this so it, you don't believe it was sealed i uh, it was read no. and
1: then somebody said here this we're
2: losing business because of you patrick I, I i yes i i think what it is was it was sent to somebody then printed out then put in another envelope okay that's what i that's what i think it is Right? Doesn't that make sense? Or was it part, no. I mean, fans, fans
1: send letters. Was it part of a, you know, a group of letters that he received in his locker? That was never asked either.
2: Well, yeah, that's true. Um, the, listen, again, the Cardinals know if this happened and if this did not happen, if this is uh, an, uh, an invention or a figment in Patrick Peterson's imagination, they can surely let us know. Mm-hmm.
1: Definitely. Well, or, or maybe they so, don't have knowledge of it. Maybe well, it was
2: somebody who saw this letter and took it upon themselves but, to get that letter. But again, we're, t- we're talking what, – what we're, we're not talking about a letter. We're talking about player relations That's and, true. and the vibe you are setting in an organization because the best organizations, that vibe is good. Look at the Phoenix Suns. Look at the, look at the connectivity between players, mm-hmm. coaching staff, front office. And hopefully soon to be ownership, especially how compared to how it used to be with the Suns. Right, exactly, and and so it, I think what the issue here is because we all know that the Patrick Peterson that was described in the letter that was put on the seat, it, the truth hurts. That's what Patrick Peterson looked like to a lot of people watching. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's not the issue. It's not the issue that the team chose to throw this in Patrick Peterson's face when it was obviously a lie. That's not the case. What what John H. Barry said. Carries the ring of truth. We saw it. We talked about it. He was making business decisions. He was playing soft. He wasn't playing physical. He was nothing like the guy that was on the field Sunday. He
1: also explained that the game after that happened, it was 2019, it was against the Cleveland Browns at State Farm Stadium. Remember that first matchup between Kyler Kyler Murray and, and mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield? Mm-hmm. Patrick Peterson had an interception in that game. He had three pass breakups in that game. He talked about being extra amped for that game after seeing that letter. He threw the interception into the crowd. But that was the reaction. It was also following a six-game suspension. For Look, violating the right. PED policy, which was never
2: never covered no. I- in, in Patrick yeah. Peterson's explanation so, or his view of that, what went that, wrong. with that, that, yeah. that, 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 So listen, I, I'm with you. The, the Cardinals, in my opinion, had every reason to be disappointed by Patrick Peterson, had every reason to move off Patrick Peterson. Yes. It's the way they did it that is just real sketch. And again, you put that letter in a guy's chair. What are you trying to do? Are you trying to make him feel bad? Or are you trying to motivate him to play better? And if it's the latter, which would only be the only healthy alternative, yes. if you're trying to make one of your employees feel bad, then you've got a real bad workplace culture. Yes. If you're just trying to motivate him to get better, then why is somebody on the coaching staff not delivering this verbally, face-to-face? And you phrase it
1: differently. You're like, this is what they're saying with you, about
3: oh, no, you. You, you. We're going to prove don't, You don't it wrong. have to do that. You
2: say, listen, dude, you may not know this, but you got to play physical. We need you to make tackles. You're a strong dude. Yeah, it's condescending. Even without the P.E. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> it's
4: <laughs> you condescending also, to pretend that a fan's opinion of how you play football is going to get you signed or, or not. I think that's I, true. It can come from the football yeah. experts who are within the building, not someone emailed us. And, and again, if that right or- indeed
1: happened and somebody put it upon themselves or it was an organizational ploy to motivate Patrick Peterson, that's disappointing as yeah. well. Yes, He also did not cover the all the, the other effect of that six game suspension mm-hmm. remember when news leaked out that patrick peterson was upset with the cardinals because they wouldn't restructure his contract to minimize the ding he was going to take financially from that suspension yep. and i remember talking on this show about that I'm like wait a minute you just got to, you just got popped for peds and you, want the, PEDs and you want the team to do you a
2: solid Well, again it's it's it patrick peterson and an inflated sense of self there's no news flash with that that's no news development that has been his story from day one. So for him to expect the team to do that means that Patrick Peterson viewed himself as such an elite all-time great that of course the team should do this for me.
1: And here's the and- other thing that's that's sketchy about all of this. Again, this is one side of one story mm-hmm. from one man's perspective. This went down in 2019. He was he, he, he had requested a trade. He'd backed off the trade request, but he was back in 2020. I know. I know. And this is the second time he's played the Cardinals since he's left and been in Minnesota, and now this all comes to light. Yeah. Is so, this all just because of a win? Yes. Yes. It's yes. You, you feel a lot more bra- bravado in your chest after you win and you start talking about how everybody you know that's why you do it you pregame before it the first meeting it should have been that should have come up last september
2: okay yeah all of this is true but it doesn't take away from the larger issue you're, you're right because this continued on with the independent study clause that had a lot of people across the NFL going who does that to a franchise quarterback mm-hmm. how how does extending a franchise quarterback turn into something that felt like a shotgun wedding and not a celebration. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. That's what it felt like. We and, don't want to give you this contract. But we, we have to give you this yeah, contract. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so again, I think this kind of speaks to a, this all kind of funnels to the same place. Funnels upwards to the top of the organization and, and the current culture. And again, I don't know how many times I have to say this. This hierarchy of this organization, it's whack. It is just not typical with what you see in the NFL. You've got the the general manager who's got the most power. Who's more like the head coach? The head coach is more like an offensive coordinator, and the owner is far too involved.
1: I can't argue with any of that. That's the dynamic that exists right now. At least that's the perception from the yeah. outside.
2: Well, I don't know how to. I don't know how it would be anything less. Yeah. Because if the, if that email went to the owner and ended up on the player's chair, then it came from the owner. Now again, that's Patrick Peterson's story. And we and and I I look forward to the Cardinals rebutting it if they, or addressing it. Do you think Steve Kahn goes down that road? Maybe not. Maybe maybe they will let Patrick Peterson's reputation inside the fan base speak for itself. But I just again, I just I, I think that I, I think all this kind of gets funneled into the urgency of the moment on Sunday. This football team better get their act yes.
1: together on the field. But it stems also Patrick Peterson in that first segment when we explained you know promises were made about him that he was a big part of the plan. They were going to build around him, and that plan changed without communication. Now, I I can understand that from from Patrick Peterson's perspective, and and I think you can, too. We both went through something very similar once upon a time at a radio station we worked for. (laughs) Where I got assurances, oh, yeah, you're a big part of the plan, and then... To, to use you Patrick to Peterson's... Uh, Patrick, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I was until what? they
2: said, you know, here's the door. Don't come back. Get your stuff. Derecki and I got Christmas cards before the show and pink slips after the show. Oh, no. I got... I got uh, Christmas Eve. I got...
1: Uh, mine what? was New Year's Eve. Did the show on New yeah. Year's Eve. Went uh-huh. home. I was like, yeah, we need yeah. you to come back. Are
2: you kidding? No. no. Not joking. I did not
1: know any we're of that. We're not this. joking. No.
2: What no. in the hell? <laughs> Bad <laughs> culture. Street, That's man. where that comes from. Yeah.
1: And then they showed me an email from some listener named John H.
2: Barry. <laughs> he right. said you couldn't tackle. So, so, but, so you found John old. H. Berry. Jarrett, when are you get a book John H. Berry? Come on. <laughs> Let's report the story. Let's quit being so reactionary. Come on, Jarrett. <laughs> do something. <laughs>
1: We don't even know if it's Barry or Barry. Yeah. Oh no, I know. Yeah, I got him. I sent you his LinkedIn account, Jared. I'm saying, <laughs> do you her? know that that's him? How many John H. Barrys that's what own you are construction companies, to find out, Jared?
2: Find out if it's him. <laughs> Get out of the case.
1: Coming up next, the Rush Hour <laughs> Reboot We need to get rebooted yeah, on this show it. It's Bickley and Marotta mornings here on Arizona Sports The local sports leader Arizona Sports The local sports leader Bickley and Marotta mornings Rush Hour Reboot
3: Rush Hour Reboot Setting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting Arizona built for America's dreams
4: Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot, everyone. Here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Every single day at 7.30, we get you through the top stories of the day. Everything that you need to know in Arizona sports and beyond. I am Sarah Kazell with Dan Bickley. Hi. <laughs> with Vince Murata.
2: Hello, oh, no, man.
4: Yes, and with Derek Carlin.
1: 22 tons of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> man, my voice got high you're talking about that. Yes, that That's is. not the only thing that got high off the 22 tons of cocaine. Oh,
4: okay. Oh, man. All right. Let's, uh, let's start off looking ahead to Sunday between the Cardinals and the Seahawks. That's going to be a 2.05 kick Arizona time, friends. Remember, the clocks are changing all around us on Sunday. So, 2.05 kick Arizona time. Cliff Kingsbury uh, spoke to reporters yesterday about this second meeting between the Cardinals and the Seahawks, and he shared what he hopes will be different from that first meeting on October 16th, which was a pretty frustrating loss for Cardinals fans 19-9. to 9.
5: When you play a team the second time, there's always things you didn't get to that you are like to, and the way they're playing and, and uh, the last three weeks, really, um, three-game win streak, they're playing at a really high level. Um, so we know, I think, what probably they're going to do. They know what we're going do and doing. it's just about execution i thought the last time we played them, they, they executed a really high level in all three phases and um we got to kind of match that if we want a chance to win this one
4: all right so if the seahawks know what the cardinals are going to do and the cardinals know what the seahawks are going to do what do the cardinals need to do differently this time around
2: yeah, they're going I think they're just going to they're going to have to execute and they're going to have to score touchdowns and and try to play from the lead. They're going to they're really going to have to flip everything that we have seen from this football team, you know, in the first seven eight weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit on it there. Different. Uh we mentioned the stat that's out there that the Cardinals have been trailing in 91% of their playing time in games this year. Yeah. Get a lead. It changes everything. That seems to be one of the things that's eluding this team is the ability to have early success offensively. We're going into week 9 yeah without a first quarter touch not even a first drive touchdown but a first quarter touchdown. That is why you've been trailing for 91% of your playing time. So yeah, B- big right thread on the money. Okay. Find a way to get a lead. Now,
4: going to the Cardinals offense and the Seahawks offense, who right now is the better quarterback? Kyler Murray or Geno Smith? Geno Smith. There's no doubt about
1: it. It's yeah. Geno Smith.
2: No, I, I'm not saying that that's what's it's going to look like at the end of the season because I still carry some skepticism that a guy like that can put together a 17-game season as one of the highest-rated quarterbacks in football, Yeah, but that's what he is. But I, uh-huh. saw,
1: I saw your facial reaction when we both said that very quickly.
2: That's not Kyler Murray.
1: Hey, that's factual. Geno Smith right now is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. He's a better quarterback than, than Tom Brady. Brady. Mm-hmm. He's a better... Better quarterback than Russell Wilson. Uh, there's a right now. That's that's the reality of the situation. I'm still having
4: such a hard time wrapping my mind around this. Like, how have you been in the league for a decade and we're just now seeing this? Well,
2: exactly because it's not like he's just having limited success in guiding the teams to win, managing games, and using his experience. He's lighting fools up. <laughs> so wild. I want to know what are you doing? Twenty two tons of cocaine. Like, what
4: happened?
3: No. Is that?
1: I mean, I don't know. Is that
4: twenty-two tons of cocaine? Twenty-two
3: tons of cocaine.
4: All right, Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, uh, they both spoke yesterday and they spoke really for the first time in depth about the Hard Knocks cameras that are around. The Hard Knocks in season uh, season debuts next Wednesday, right? Yes, yes. Wednesday the 9th. Uh, the first episode comes out next Wednesday. Here is Kyler Murray on Being in the Spotlight
3: just gotta be smart you know somebody's always watching um you know never really want to give anything anybody anything bad to say about you stuff like that um yeah I've, i've you know it's it's nothing new for me you know it's kind of how i was raised um treat people how you want to be treated stuff like that. So,
4: First I thought he was saying, I was raised in front of the cameras, but he's he's saying just be yourself and if you're a kind person, it'll be fine. Will uh, Cliff Kingsbury be watching himself on Hard Knocks next week? Yeah,
5: I hate watching myself do anything, so I won't, won't watch it, but I, I am excited for fans to see the type of people we have. I know they do some behind the scenes with families and um, stories of, of, kind of origin stories and things like that, and we have some great stories on our team.
4: And finally, Cliff Kingsbury uh, also was asked if he notices the cameras around him.
5: No, I, they do a great job of kind of um, laying in the shadows and you, you don't notice it much, almost to a, to a fault. You'll say some things that maybe could get you canceled and have to kind of give them the, okay, that's out. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 not, it doesn't interrupt anything. They do a great job with it.
4: I'm so curious, guys. What do we think Cliff Kingsbury could be saying that's going to get him canceled?
2: Yeah, I, I, think Vinny, I think Vinny hit it right. I think that's more of a kind of a, a, a veiled Attempted humor, if you will, but I, I'm sure there are moments that they go, "Oh yeah, they, that's not on the show." And I think you're right. There's probably a reasonable give and take in the editorial control department of this production. Um, I also think it's interesting that a guy who's acknowledged is very good looking and who is who has got abs that I would actually pay for. <laughs> Why he? It, it, I think it's. I think it's very commendable that he has that level of humility that he does not like seeing himself on television. Look, again. it's like all of us. Do, do any of us like hearing our own voices on radio? No, uh, my, my voice is like butter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if I'm in the car, my yeah. voice comes on. I change the station. Yeah.
2: I
4: usually turn
1: it down. I don't turn it off Ah, because we want those ratings, but I turn it down. I really don't like looking at myself.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Be nice to yourself, Vince. Gosh. Come on, Vinny. Okay, so what are you guys actually... (laughs) Absolutely not. What are you hoping to see from the Cardinals, from the Cardinals' leadership on Hard Knocks this season? Is there anything you're excited to see?
1: Anything you're curious to see? It's more conceptual to me. I mean... The feeling from the outside, and and, and this is about as outside as, as we've been with the Cardinals in a long time. I mean, we used to broadcast from there every week, and... Um, so, you know, our perception has changed a little bit too, but part of that perception right now is what is the plan of this organization? Well, what is the direction of this organization? So, some reassurance that, you know, there is a plan in place, I think would be good.
2: I, I think, to me, that that's a real complicated question because I think if, if I, if I think I know what this team looks and sounds like behind closed doors, Cliff Kingsbury's very much a player's guy, very much positive. Mm-hmm. He's not a screamer. He doesn't go overly hard on the negative. He lets players kind of figure it out by themselves. So I think on camera, you're not going to see any signs of, a, of bad culture inside the locker room because I think these guys deep down like the fact that there's not an iron fist uh, hovering over them. But my take on it is that football teams need that. Yeah. And so football teams that generally struggle with the way the Cardinals have, generally there'll be a lot of friction and a lot of tension because the head coach is creating it. Yeah, and be, I, I don't think that's going to happen here.
1: It'll be interesting, though, because if, if things are to- totally different behind the scenes than we think they are... And yet it's still not working or getting through? Yeah. yeah I mean, it'd be a sort of a different kind of a problem. Well, maybe, but I mean, that comes back down to football issues. And there's one part of the teaser trailer that was put out by, by Hard Knocks and HBO and NFL Films this week. And it's Buddha Baker screaming in full uniform at the top of his lungs how sick he is of losing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That, I mean, that might be the takeaway. If this thing doesn't turn around... That might be the takeaway from all of it. It's just the frustration, not from culture or lack of coaching, but lack of well, together success. And
2: the bigger point is, if this thing continues to spiral, where does HBO draw the line of of depicting a real, fair, accurate picture of this chaos versus whatever editorial control they have to cede to a franchise? Mm -hmm. Sure.
4: I am really curious if or when we're going to see that Minnesota Vikings postgame locker
1: room scream
4: sesh that Darren Urban. Told us about yeah. on the show earlier Maybe. this week. Uh,
1: the cameras yeah. have been around for a while, yeah. so it's it's still possible. Yeah. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Brush hour reboot every morning at 7 30. We will continue to talk NFL football and the Arizona Cardinals. Steve Weish from NFL Network joins us next. It's Pickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ok Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
5: Dan
3: Pickley Vince Murata. Pickley and Murata Mornings. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.
1: Continue the Thursday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports. More NFL talk. Cardinals getting ready for a very pivotal game. What could be a pivotal game for them against the Seattle Seahawks. Here to talk NFL with us from NFL Network, Steve Weiss, our guest on the Arizona Sports Line. Steve, it's been a while. How you been? Steve, are you there? I am here. Can oh, you hear me? Now, Hello, we, now we got you. How are you, Steve? There we go. I'm doing well. you guys good? We're good. Uh, we're trying to figure out the mysteries of the Arizona Cardinals 2022 edition. Um, and, and it has been a roller coaster. They've not been able to string anything together in terms of uh, of wins in consecutive weeks. They're 3-5. and five. I think they've been a big disappointment. But the reality of the NFL this year, and especially in their division, they're right in the thick of things still. Uh, is that an apt synopsis uh, in your mind on the Cardinals, Steve?
3: Yeah, it is. I mean, look, they still have an opportunity to rally, but you know, I think in watching them, you kind of say to yourself, like, what makes you think they can? Mm-hmm. But you can say that about every team in the division. Like, what makes you think any of those teams, I'll say besides the Forty ers can go on like a four game win streak? And, you know, and I don't want to downplay what's happening in Seattle because they're doing some great stuff. You still kind, of, you're we're still kind of wondering them, you know, wondering if they're going to step on the banana peel. But with the Rams and the Cardinals right now, you're like, I don't see them going on the type of run, you know, even when they're supposed to in like mid-November to make that hard playoff push.
2: When you look at this offense that is struggling with just the basics of football, with huddling and getting a play in and getting it off without the clock expiring and having to burn a timeout, and that the fact that this is happening midway through year four in the same offense with the same head coach and the same quarterback, well, what does that portend for the future of this operation?
3: hard to tell i mean that's a real fixable thing um but it hasn't been fixed yet i mean I'm, that that's you know the point you're making is really good cuz i'm like these guys have been together cliff and kyler and a lot of the nucleus has been together for a while what is this offense mm-hmm. i mean i know people want to call it an air raid offense but it's not really an air raid offense there there's some things they're trying to do with some elements of the air raid but what is it like what are they trying to accomplish because it still continues to be the fail safe is Okay, something's out there, Kyler. Take off, run with it, and, and we're putting the game in your hands. And, and you know, it's just, it's, it's just hard to identify exactly what they're trying to
1: accomplish. Yep, Steve Weish from NFL Network, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. Um, not specific only to the Cardinals, and, and you mentioned the word air raid, and that was certainly thrown around a lot when Cliff Kingsbury got to town, but the way that this offense, and a lot of offenses are operating these days in the NFL, Steve, is very cautious in the passing game. You know, we got a lot of defenses that are bend but don't break, but also a lot of offenses that have that philosophy. We'll take what the defense gives them. It's maybe for a hard watch on the product, at least in my mind. What what are your thoughts on that?
3: Well, how about this? What do we typically hear when it comes to uh, trends and nutrients? It's cyclical. Mm-hmm. What about defenses catching up? Yep, We're about five years into the whole Shanahan, McVay, oh, we're catching everybody off guard. we want the to pre-snap eye candy, this and that. Well, now defenses are finding kind of these, not necessarily Micah Parsons, Type of players, but multi-positional guys, safeties who can come down in the box, play free, play nickel. Right? Isaiah Simmons is supposed to be that kind of guy, but mm-hmm. they don't use him so much in the in the multi-tiered roles because it's been a little overwhelming at times for him. But more and more teams are finding these guys, so they're learning to to match up of what's going on offensively. What you're seeing is teams can't score now. It's you know, hey, like you said, Bennett, don't break. We're going to move it between the twenties. Well, look at how many games we're seeing that are 22-24, uh, 22-17, 21-whatever. 11-10. to 10. And, Yeah, oh boy. Yeah, those dandies. Go back to Thursday night on that, Jim. Um, it's it's just a weird, the whole red zone Scoring thing has really been, that's been the hard part to watch is red zone offenses and teams trying to figure out what they want to do. Hey, it's third and one. Do we get under center? Do we go shotgun? Do we motion? Do we throw the fade? Do we run it? That's where some of the confusion seems to be, and I don't know if it's necessarily coaching, quarterbacks making the improper or the proper checks, Um You know, and and look, that's where you saw the whole thing with Kingsbury and Kyler, you know, a couple Thursday nights ago. And Kyler was like, calm down, right? That little blow up on the sideline is when they were threatening. So it's it's just a weird that that's yeah. a league wide thing that we're seeing more than something just isolated to Arizona.
2: You're yeah. not kidding, and, and I think the aesthetics of football with the deep passes and, and that kind of thing have kind of suffered and I think you're right on the money that, that guys like Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll are kinda of clapping back on the idea that the league is now in the hands of offensive masterminds. Um let's let's focus in on the Seahawks. How how surprised are you that they're able that they've been able to do what they've done behind a guy like Geno Smith?
3: Very, very. I mean, who saw this coming? We were all, look, before the season, we're like, okay, who's going to be picking in the top five? Okay, the Bears, the Seahawks, <laughs> the Lions,
2: right? Uh-huh.
3: I mean, there, there, there are very few of us who didn't think that was going to be the case. So they lost Russell Wilson. They're going they're going through a teardown. And here they are doing the same things they were doing in 2010 to 2013. They're running the football. Got a nice young nucleus of DBs starting two rookies. You know, Tariq Woolen is, is, looks like Richard Sherman, um, using a lot of the same concepts that they use and just not making mistakes. And then here's Geno off the play action and sometimes just straight drop back and being able to hit the deep ball, finding Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, um, it's fun to watch. That's the other thing. This is you know, you just talked about how it's been kind of painstaking watching. The Seahawks are actually playing a fun type of football. So they are, they are, and Geno Smith is the biggest surprises in the NFL, I think. With on the
1: positive
3: side, yep, not yeah. on the negative side,
1: on the positive side. Definitely. Uh, Steve Weiss, NFL Network, our guest. Uh, the situation in Washington with the commander's ownership, a couple of headlines coming out yesterday that the yeah. Snyders are you know, exploring moves. Some people, are, and, and now with the investigation going on about the, the financial improprieties, some people believe that this might be the beginning of the end for Daniel Snyder. Other people thinking maybe he's just trying to get ahead of this. I mean, what, what's your take on, on on all of what's gone on so far in Washington?
3: Yeah, Dan Snyder's never been the most proactive um, guy. He's been a reactionary when he does even do anything. Look, when they signal this, it it signals that they are exploring. But the the response from a team spokesman is, we are exploring all options, which means they are exploring the sale of the team. And you being in Arizona, to me, this looks a lot like the Sarver thing with the Suns. Like, okay, the owners, we could force him out. Like, we could vote him out, but then he's going to spill all of the, you know, he can unload all the skeletons of the closet, right? He's not going down alone, and he's going to take people down with them, but we can try to persuade him. People say, Hey, look, man, your, your team could sell for 6 billion. You bought it for 800 million. You know, look, take, take the money and run. You won't have to deal with everything that's going on because economic pressure, political pressure, cultural pressure. These are things that, help change things in society, right? Mm -hmm. Change in America is rarely voluntary. So, you know, maybe he knows this groundswell is coming. Because all we heard, look, all we heard from him for decades was, I'm not changing the name of the team. Well, there was cultural, political, and economic pressure. He changed the name of the team. So that's probably what's happening behind the scenes here. And I do think he's exploring some opportunities to sell the team. And as we know, a lot of NFL owners in the league itself and that fan base would welcome that. It's
2: been a rough year for veteran quarterbacks, and I'm going to steal my my partner's question here. Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers are all three and five. Matt Ryan also lost his job in Indy. But out of the first three, who's got their best chance of riding their respective ship?
3: Oh, wow. See, that's one where you say, like, I'm still not throwing any of them over the, the ship. Um I would probably say uh, boy, it's tough. I still Isn't I still yeah. have this faith in the Buccaneers and Tom Brady. You know, because they do have weapons, guys that have just stayed hurt, but I think Mike Evans, you know, he's he's one of the best wide receivers we've had in the past five or six years in the NFL. I think they can get it going. We know they have issues on the offensive line, they're playing in a terrible division. Um, but I, something is just telling me they can get it to click because defensively they've got the players to make it click, and that side of the ball has not played well either. So when I, when I look at the Packers, I just kind of think they are who they are in terms of young receivers that are just going to have to develop. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russell Wilson, I'm not doubting him as much as I'm doubting the overall operation of that club right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk to people around the league, They've you know, got so many, you know, younger and inexperienced coaches in the big moment on that staff. That it's going to take them more time to get it together. So I would say of those three, I think Tom Brady and the Buccaneers can turn it around.
1: Steve, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for making some time for us today. We appreciate it.
3: Sure, appreciate you guys. Thank, thank, you, thank
1: you, Steve Weiss, NFL Network reporter, analyst, host. He joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we get into the second half of the Thursday edition. With the Bickley Blast. That is next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports. The local sports (laughs)
5: leader.